difficult to understand, recognize Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as the Supreme Personality of Godhead. I mentioned about that in the morning. 
in the class. Krishna, we can unrecognize him as the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Ramchandra, we can recognize. Nishingadev, we can recognize. Even Bamandev, although he came as a dwarf, we recognize him as the Supreme Personality of Godhead. But Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, it's very difficult to recognize because he's hiding his identity. He, whenever somebody mentioned that he was the Supreme Personality of Godhead, he would cover his ears as if he heard something inauspicious, extremely inauspicious. He would cover his ears and say, Shri Vishnu, Shri Vishnu, Shri Vishnu. As if he heard something which is extremely inauspicious. So this is how he is hiding his identity. But still, the devotees recognized him and he also revealed his identity to his devotees. In one hand the devotees recognized and he also revealed his identity to the devotees. Just like we saw to the Brahmana, he revealed his identity. He showed himself as Balgopal, baby Krishna. The Brahmana saw that little boy is none other than Krishna himself, is Krishna. Later on also we'll see uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu showed his identity as the Supreme Personality of Godhead to Sagavam Bhattacharya, Murari Gupta, Nityananda Prabhu and others. So these seminars or speaking about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is simply to remind ourselves how Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. That is the purpose, that's the objective of speaking about Him. And <clears throat> so we'll see that how these pastimes, although enacted in a human-like way, but they are extremely extraordinary, extremely extraordinary. Like defeating of Keshav Kashmiri. Sixteen-year-old boy defeated the greatest scholar of India. In that respect, of course, age is not important. Age is secondary. That reminds me, uh, one great Ramanuja, one great uh, Sri Vaishnava Acharya, Ramanuja Acharya's spiritual master, Jamuna Acharya. Jamuna Acharya challenged the 
a scholar whom nobody could defeat when he was only eight years old. He was just eight years old and he challenged this person. So this is how we can see sometimes the Lord's devotees also display such extraordinary quality. I'm mentioning this because this idea came to my mind like age is not a factor for scholarship. So when this scholar, his name was Kolahal, Kolahal means clamor, noise, like that person was a noisemaker actually. Maybe that's why he got a nickname, like he would challenge the other scholars and defeat. In this way he would make the great noise. So when he saw his challenger, this eight-year-old boy, Jamunacharya, he laughed at him. This boy is going to dare to to challenge me. Then Jamunacharya's response was, it is better for a fool not to open his mouth. Because when he opens his mouth, then everybody can see the display of his, ac- of his acute stupidity. <laughs> and then he said that if age was the factor for wisdom, then this tree that is standing here for hundreds of years would have been the wisest person. <laughs> So, like, here also I was just thinking, age is not actually an important factor for wisdom. Because the saintly personalities carry their memory from the previous birth. Therefore they display unusual scholarship, unusual wisdom, even in their childhood. Anyway, to go back to the point, I mean, Jamnacharya's episode is very interesting. If I get time, I'll some some bear describe narrate that. Or should I tell it now? Okay, since it's (laughs) (coughs) this Kolahal was the greatest scholar of that time. He defeated all the other scholars, and after he defeated them, he kind of uh, charged taxes that they had to pay him a certain amount of money on a regular basis. And this scholar was patronized by the king also. And he was the the scholar of the court of the king. Shabhapandit. So Jamunacharya's guru was somehow, sometimes saintly people don't want to get into argument. They say, okay, I accept defeat. So, most likely Jamunacharya's guru also kind of voluntarily accepted defeat and said, okay, didn't really contest. So, one day Jamunacharya's guru was not in the ashram, 
But Jamnacharya, the eight-year-old boy, was there. So his Kolahal's uh, man came and to collect tax. And not finding him there, he just uh, uh, told Jamnacharya, he was the only one in the ashram. When your guru comes, you tell him uh, to pay the tax. Uh, otherwise, uh, the king will punish him. So, Jamnacharya asked, tax for what? So, he said, for this, 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 your guru has been defeated. So, Jamnacharya's response was, the question of my guru being defeated arises when your guru defeats me. I am challenging your guru. Just an eight-year-old boy. So he was furious. He went back and reported to the Kola. And <clears throat> it was all happening. He was in the king's court. So the king said, well, if he's challenging you, then we have to accept his challenge. So, man was sent, okay, ask him to come and have a fight with me. So, Jamnacharya responded that the question of, since I am the challenger, he should come to me. <coughs> Why should I go to him? And if at all I have to go there, then proper arrangement should be made to take me there. So he went and reported. Kolahal was extremely furious. But the king told that his point is correct. Like he is a challenger. So anyway, we'll make arrangements to bring him to the to the to the court. So palanquin was sent, and he was brought. So in the when Jamnacharya arrived to the palace, like king and queen were standing on the balcony. So. The seeing this boy, the queen felt such affectionate appreciation, she said, now your Kolahal is going to meet his right match. The king said, what are you talking about? You know, like Kolahal who defeated all this scholars. Then the queen insisted, no? this boy will the king gave an example that, uh, that just as a big animal swallows a small animal Kolahal will defeat him <coughs> the queen said just as a spark of fire burns out a heap of cotton wool your Kolahal will be burnt to ashes so, <clears throat> King said, what are you talking about? Queen said, yes, 
if this if your Kolahal can defeat him, if this boy gets defeated, then I become the maid servant of your maid servant. King said, Okay, I'm a queen, you made him terrible. <laughs> terrible taking a terrible vow. And anyway, since you have I will also match your statement, your challenge. If this boy defeats Kolahal, then I will give him half of my kingdom. So, Yamnacharya came to the court and king also arrived. And at that time, Kolahal started to laugh seeing him, that little boy. So that's the time Jamnacharya actually responded that way. That <clears throat> it is better for a fool not to open his mouth. Because as soon as he does that, everybody can see the extent of his stupidity. So <clears throat> then this Kolahal started to ask him questions after questions. And Yamacharya with ease started to uh, answer them. So when he was completely exhausted with his questions or challenge, then he said, okay, now I offer you the chance to question, challenge me, to question me. So he, Yamnacharya said, at first, you laughed at me saying that I am so young. But when it came to asking questions, instead of offering me the opportunity first to ask questions, you started to blast questions to me, fire questions to me. Anyway, I won't ask you any question. I'll simply make a few statements. And you defeat those statements. That means I will say something and you prove that that's not right. So <clears throat> he said, the first thing he said, your mother is not barren. So in order to counter that, he had to say, that his mother is barren. So, then the second point he mentioned that the king is most virtuous. <laughs> to come to that, he has to say the king is not virtuous. And the third point he made, that the queen is chaste. <coughs> so in order to counter that, he had to say that the queen is not chaste. So he naturally could answer. So he started to shout at him. <coughs> Looked up at the king. See, what kind of thing is that? How can anybody? So now that he said it, he'll have to prove by countering that. 
then Jamunacharya said, quoted a verse saying that the mother of one child is as good as parent. And since you are his only child, your mother is as good as parent. Second point, <clears throat> although the king is the epitome of virtue, the, the king has to take one-sixth of the sin of his subjects. So although he is the epitome of vir virtue, but he has to accept the sins of the citizens. And when the queen is married to the king, and king is the representative of all the demigods, the queen also got married to all the demigods. Therefore, although the queen is the epitome of chastity, but she is. So, in this way, and King was actually quite upset with the Kola So he told uh, Jamunacharya, so tell me what kind of punishment I should give him. Then he says, the Brahmana, so there is no need to punish him, but just banish him from this king. So, Kolahal was banished from the kingdom, and Jamunacharya got half the kingdom. So this is how Jamunacharya became a king. He was originally not a king, but Jamunacharya became a king. So, okay, now let's go to <laughs> this is actually one half of the story. Well, another half of the story is how Jamunacharya got rid of his king. Should I tell that? <laughs> okay. Jamunacharya became involved in his royal responsibilities and as a result of that like his spiritual life became affected. He didn't have any time, like he became completely engrossed in his uh, royal responsibilities. So his spiritual master at that time was in Himalaya in isolation. <coughs> so he could see Jamunacharya's situation. So he decided to rescue him. So he sent one of his disciples with a mission to bring Jamunacharya back to the track. So this disciple came to Jamunacharya's court the Jamunacharya's palace and he saw that so many people want to see him and you know they all are important people and many of them are being refused and <clears throat> many of them are being refused so he felt that even if I get an audience I won't have enough time to actually make him bring him back to his senses. 
So he didn't make any effort to go to the king's court. Rather he went to the kitchen and he made friends with the chef, head cook. And he gave him some sort of leafy vegetable and told him to prepare this and offer it to the king. And he mentioned the qualities of this particular shark or spinach. So <clears throat> he every day he used to bring that and he was serving that to the king. The cook was serving that to the king. So one day he didn't come. And the king questioned, what happened to that preparation? So the cook said that actually one sadhu used to bring these veg- leaves every day and that's why I was cooking and he told me about these benefits and that's why he wanted me to offer them to you. So the king said, who is that person who is so concerned about me? Next time you see him, you tell him. So, <clears throat> the next day when he came, he told that king wanted to see you. So he asked, why are you showing such concern for me? Who are you? So then he said that I am a disciple of your spiritual master. Your spiritual master sent me to give you the information about him inconceivable wealth that is there in a place that is surrounded by seven walls and the serpent is guarding that snake, is guarding that wealth. So the king needed some money, some wealth for his treasury, so he became interested. So he said, okay, let me go. So he said, yes, you can come, but you have to come alone with me. That's the condition. He agreed. So then he took him to, after long distance, he brought him to the temple of Ranganath, Sri Rangana. That place Sri Rangam. He mentioned that it's an island and this place is surrounded by seven walls. The temple is surrounded by seven walls and the Lord is lying on the bed of Anantashesha, guarded by a snake. He said, this is <laughs> wealth that my Guru wanted me to offer to you. So this is how Jamanacharya came back to his senses and he gave up his kingdom and he pursued his spiritual life with undeviated commitment. So, the prelude to the class. <laughs> Okay, 
So this is how the saintly personalities used to be in India. They apparently they were not at all interested in anything material. Their only concern was their spiritual prosperity and other spiritual progress. <coughs> that was their main concern. That was the only concern actually. And that's why they would travel around. So, one such person was Ishwar Puri. So, Chaitanya, he just came to Navati. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu invited him to his house. Please come. Take prasad. Sachimata cooked prasad and Ishwar Puri honored that prasad. The others were completely enchanted, the devotees, seeing his devotion. And Adhitacharya detected that this kind of Krishna Bhakti, Krishna Prem is unusual. And he said, you must have a link with Madhavendra. And this is how they found out that Ishwar Puri is a disciple of Madhavendra So this is one thing also, like, like what you find in ISKCON is unique. So when somebody, when an ISKCON devotee speaks, another ISKCON devotee will immediately recognize, you must have some link with Srila Prabhupada. <laughs> so that was the situation there. Then Ishapuri wrote some commentaries on Krishna. And he wanted Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to correct it. He said that look, you are a great scholar. So can you please correct my Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said that there cannot be any fault in a pure devotee's writing. Whatever comes from him is perfect. Rather, anyone who finds fault in his writing is an offender. So this is how Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had a meeting with Ishwar Puri when he was in Navati. And until then, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is very scholarly, a great scholar, pursuing his scholarship and defeating everybody. And as I mentioned, like one unique thing was about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, like we saw also, when he defeated Keshav Kashmiri, he didn't want to humiliate him. He rather admired him. Oh, he was so great. And some faults are always there in some composition. There is nothing wrong in that. So that was Mahaprabhu's uh, uh, sweetness of his nature. He never offended, never hurt anybody. Even those who kind of offended him, he kind of treated them with great honor and respect. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu decided to go 
to Gaya. It is a custom in India to uh, when the father leaves the body, one goes to Gaya to perform shat. And Gaya is the place where there is the lotus feet of Vishnu. And so that and that's how this place is a special place for deliverance. When one performs Shraddha in Gaya, that person becomes delivered. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu went to perform the Shraddha ceremony of his father. So this is how we can see like how Chaitanya Mahaprabhu through his own example, he is actually setting the standard. That this is what one should do. And anyway, so he performed his father's Shraddha and there he met Ishwar so Mahaprabhu invited him to lunch and he himself cooked. And Ishwarpuri said, Look, let's share this, what you cooked. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu insisted, No, you first eat. So he fed Ishwarpuri and then took his remnants. And then after that he told him to requested him to give him initiation. So Ishwarpuri gave him initiation in Krishna Mantra. And Mahaprabhu had many followers with him. And at that time, after getting initiation, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu became like mad. There is a kind of transcendental madness. And due to intense love for Krishna, a devotee behaves in an incoherent way. And that's why it appears to be like madness. So, <clears throat> he was all the time crying, Where is Krishna? Where is Krishna? My dear Krishna, where did you go? And then one night, he decided to go to Vrindavan. So he left. Without telling anybody, he left. He was running towards Vrindavan. Then a celestial voice directed him. This is not the time for you to go to Vrindavan. You have to perform. You have to start the Sankirtan movement. So go back to Vrindavan. So he came back and then soon after that he left for Navadip surrounded by his associates. But all the time his condition was very, very difficult. He was crying all the time. And when he came to Navadip, many people thought that he became mad. What a transformation. Nimai Pandit was so powerful, so proud of his scholarship so confident and now he has become mad. The madness according to the Ayurveda is caused by air. It's an imbalance of air or malfunctioning of air causes madness. There are three different elements that causes different diseases. One is mucus, 
the other is bile and air. So madness is a disease which is caused by air. So they started to say, take him to a Ayurvedic doctor and treat him. And Mahaprabhu's condition was like he was all the time crying. Sometimes it became difficult to control him. And so one day <coughs> he was crying like that, Krishna, where are you, Krishna? And Gadadhar was there. Gadadhar as you, as I mentioned this morning, the Gadadhar is an, is an incarnation of Srimati Radharani, expansion of Srimati Radharani. Gadadhar was with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu all the time. In that respect, one question actually comes. Radharani, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, is Krishna and Radha together? Then how come Gadadhar is Radha? The answer to that is, when Krishna decided to play the role of Srimati Radharani, assuming the mood and complexion of Radharani, then Radharani thought, let me see how he plays that role. And that's why she came and Gadadhar. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's constant companion. Younger, but he was constant companion. So Gadadhar was, Gadadhar was there and Gadadhar told that Krishna is coming, he is just gone. No, I'm sorry. He said, Krishna is there in your heart. Why you cry? Krishna is there in your heart. Krishna is so near to you. So when he said that, Mahaprabhu tried to open his chest, ribs, like he was trying to open his ribs. Seeing the Gadadhar son, another difficulty. So then he said, Krishna has just gone there, he'll come back soon. So hearing that, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu became somewhat pacified. So <clears throat> seeing that exchange between Gadadhar and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and how Gadadhar pacified him, Sachimata requested Gadadhar. Gadadhar, although Gadadhar is so young, but he is so intelligent. So Gadadhar, you take care of me my all the time. So that's another reason why Gadadhar was always with Nimai. So, <coughs> In this way, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu displayed Divya Unmadana, transcendental madness, in intense Krishna praying. And then Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu started the Sankirtan. He in Shivarshtaku's house, Shivarshtaku's courtyard, they started for one year, every night, 
they had Gita. And they used to have it behind closed doors because they didn't want any unwanted element to come in there. People, those who would not understand, those who are not devotees of Krishna, they may, I mean, not only they will not understand, but they will create disturbance. Disturbance in the mood. Therefore, this Sankirtan used to be conducted behind closed doors, like the whole, and the outsiders were not allowed. I mean, non-devotees were not allowed. So these Brahmanas became very, very upset that first of all they were not allowed, then they start to find faults, like what's it doing? Where does it say that mantra should be chanted in this way? Mantra should be meditated upon and hear loud chanting and throughout the night. Like, do they take some sort of intoxicants? And that's how they kind of have a, this kind of session. So they became curious and they started to speculate all kinds of things. So some of the Brahmanas became very, very offensive and envious. So one such Brahmana was Gopal. Gopal, Gopal Chakravarti. So Gopal, in order to kind of, uh, in order to make that these people are kind of doing some sort of black magic or tantric stuff and thing. Uh, he took all the paraphernalia and ingredients for uh, Kali worship and placed it in front of Gadadhar's house. So in the morning, just for, in order to show people that these people are actually tantric, they are doing all kinds of Tantra rituals. So when Shivar Thakur in the morning he noticed that he called everybody and he said see actually I am not a devotee of Krishna. I am a, a performer of Tantra black magic and I am worshipper of Kali. And in order to get power, they worship Kali in that way. They have all kinds of ghastly rituals they have. And <clears throat> but everybody knew who Shivashtakur was. So they immediately got the sweepers to come and clean the place up, purified the place with our water. Then within a few days, something happened. This Gopal, his name was Gopal Chapal, frivolous, talkative Gopal. He developed leprosy. 
and leprosy because leprosy is a contagious disease like when somebody had leprosy he was he was not allowed to stay in the neighborhood properly he is driven out of the uh, village so this is this is the outcome of offending vaishnava he developed leprosy <coughs> So, then the Brahmanas became very, very envious and they started to spread all kind of rumors, I mean, expressing their own uh, anxiety and fear, paranoia. They started to tell uh, everybody that this uh, Nimai Pandit will cause a great distress. The Muslim king will come, he will send his soldiers and they will uh, uh, cause a lot of damage to us and etc. And some even started to say that the Nawab has sent four boatload of soldiers to punish these people and they won't spare us also because we are from the same village probably they convert the whole village and all kinds of things they started, all kinds of rumors they started to spread so Chaitanya Mahaprabhu when he heard that he said do you think the Nawab has any ability to act on his own it is due to my will that everybody acts if the Nawab wants to do something, then it has to be done with my approval. Without my approval, nothing can happen. And he said that, if I want, I'll make the Nawab chant the Holy Name. If I want, I'll make all the Nawab soldiers chant the Holy Name. If I want, I'll make the elephants chant the Holy Name. Nawab's horses chant the Holy Name. And saying that, there was this eight year, I'm sorry, four year old niece of Shivashtaku. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu told her name was Narayani. He said, Narayani, chant the Holy Name. And this four year old girl started to chant. And as she started to chant, she started to display ecstatic symptoms due to the chanting. There are eight different symptoms of ecstasy. As we see in Romancha Kampashu Tarangopaja. Romancha, hair standing on end. Kampa, trembling of the body. Ashru tears. So these are the ecstatic symptoms. Sometimes the laugh, sometimes the cry, that 
four-year-old boy who was completely, four-year-old girl was completely normal and now she started to display this ecstatic symptom as if in a kind of madness. So this is how Chaitanya Mahaprabhu assured his devotees that it is by his will that anyone is able to do anything. And <clears throat> during this time Mahaprabhu displayed many wonderful pastimes. During the night they used to chant in Shivashtaku's house and during the day they used to go out in the city and do Nagar Sankirtan, chanting through the streets. So one day after chanting in this way, some devotees became tired and hungry. So they told Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, we are feeling so hungry. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu then saw there was a stone, there was a mango seed. So he just planted it on the ground and immediately a tree came out. Right in front of their eyes the tree grew, became a big mango tree. In no time the mango flowers appeared then they developed into fruits and those fruits became ripe. Then Mahaprabhu himself picked those fruits. He picked 200 of them and offered them to Krishna. And then he offered these fruits to the devotees. And the devotees tasted that they never tasted any such mango and the unique thing about the mango was there was no skin and there was no stone. It was mango and mango and nothing but mango. <laughs> so, and <clears throat> you see, when you go to Mayapur, when you do the parikrama, then you see that how these pastimes were enacted in different places. That place where this mango pastime took place, that place is still there, full of mango trees. Of course, that particular mango tree went back to Paikunta. <laughs> but that mango grove is there, and during, how many of you have gone to Mayapur during Parikrama, Dada Parikrama? <coughs> oh, nothing, only two. Nay, you did Parikrama, right? Wonderful. And what do you do also? Yeah, sometimes you come and do the Parikrama, and you can see like how how wonderful those pastimes were and how real they are. Like it's not now when we speak or hear, it may sound like these are just some it may happen. But you know this the the uh, the uh, proof of these happenings are still there. All those places are there. Shivash Thakur's house is there, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's birthplace is there, and as I was saying, this mango grove, the where this mango pastime took place, that mango, that now it's a mango grove called, and the name is Amghata. 
the place of mango, the place of mango pasting. <clears throat> Chaitanya Mahaprabhu used to have this kirtan every night. And as I said, that outsiders were not allowed to come in. Non-devotees were not allowed to come in. So one day, becoming curious, Shivash's mother-in-law, Shivashtaka's mother-in-law, was hiding in the house. She was curious to find out what goes on that night. And <clears throat> so she was hiding under the bed. And when the kirtan was going on, Mahaprabhu said, Today my what's happened? Like today I'm not feeling that mood, that ecstasy of chanting. So Shivashthakul was curious, like, what happened? Why Mahaprabhu is feeling that way? So to find out if there is anything wrong, he went inside the house. And then he found that his mother-in-law hiding under the bed, watching what's going on. So he pulled her out and threw her out of the house. So this is the devotees. For the sake of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, they didn't care for anyone. If he is not approved and accepted by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, they have nothing to do with them. Another such wonderful incident that took place during that time was another night Chaitanya Mahaprabhu felt the same way. What happened? I'm not feeling that. Shivashtakur went inside the house and he found that his son died. And naturally the women in the family were crying. So Shivashtakur told him, told them, please don't cry. Because if Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Sankirtan gets interrupted, then I'll just go to the Ganga and drown myself. So, <clears throat> again, the Sankirtan started, and still Mahaprabhu felt that something is wrong. So, <clears throat> then Nityananda Prabhu told him, what happened? Shivash's son died. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu told Shivash, your son died and you never told anyone. You allowed us to continue with us. And Shivash's answer was, my Lord, let everyone die, I don't care. But your Sankirtan should start. So this is the attachment that the devotees displayed to this congregational chanting of the Holy Name of Chaitanya. 
Mother went inside. We saw the dead child lying on the bed. So he called him. My dear child, why did you leave your parents? Where did you go? So the boy sat up and said, which father are you talking about? I had so many fathers, so many mothers, in so many lives that I had in the, had in the past. But now, my Lord, I am going to your lotus feet. Please allow me to go. So this is how, with the blessings of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Shivashtakur's son left his body to go back to the spiritual world. So this is how huh, we such wonderful, wonderful uh, demonstration of attachment to the Lord and His holy name. And only such devotees like Sri Vashtaku can display this kind of attachment. Other people also complained. that to the some Muslims complain to the Kazi, Chat Kazi. Kazi means the governor of that place. So hearing that they complain that these people are chanting through the whole night, they are creating so much disturbance. And some Brahmanas also went and complained, uh, saying that this is not Hinduism. Hinduism does not does not instruct about this kind of chanting. So this is also we have to see, understand that what Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu did was not something that was prevalent before. He introduced something new for this age of Kali. This special prerogative of the age of Kali of chanting the holy name was not available in other ages. It is a special prerogative of the age of God. So, <clears throat> so this is how this caste Brahmins could not understand why what was going on, and they they vehemently objected to that. So they reported to the governor Chatkazi. Then Chatkazi came and. He stopped the kirtan and picked up the mridanga, broke the mridanga <coughs> and warned everyone that if you ever chant again, then not only I'll confiscate all your assets, all your properties, but I'll convert you all. So everyone became very, very The next morning, that, that night, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was not there. So in the morning, when he was informed about that, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's response was, Let me see who dares to stop the congregational chanting of the holy name of the Lord. 
He said that I will slaughter, I will kill all the Javanas. He was like a lion, became so declared that you decorate your houses and in the evening light up the torches and you all come. We will go in a procession with the chanting of the And <clears throat> so in the evening they started it has been described, Navadip also was quite densely populated at that time, but it was inconceivable the number of people appeared there. And Chaitanya Bhagavad described that actually demigods also came and took part in that. <laughs> and so thousands of people with torch in their hand doing kirtan in three groups Adita Acharya's group, Haridas Thakur's group, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's group. And so many people there just roaring Gita approached Chatkarvi house, the palace. They were so furious, they destroyed the garden completely, broke the door, and all the soldiers and guards and they all ran for their life. And Mahaprabhu went to the house and he, seeing that commotion, Chatkazi was hiding. So Mahaprabhu announced that Chatkazi, where are you? Come out. So then Chatkazi came out. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, what kind of behavior is this? A guest comes to your house and you disappear instead of receiving. Then Chatkazi said that in village relationship, because in village relationship, your mother and we are coming from the same village. That's why in village relationship we are related. She is like my sister. And in the, that relationship you are my nephew. So when the nephew is in an angry mood, uncle doesn't want to come in front of him. When he becomes peaceful, uh, when I saw that you became peaceful, that's why I came out. Then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said that you give an injunction 
that no one should chant. Uh, but people are chanting, why didn't you stop? Then Chatkarji said, like something happened to me that I want to tell you in confidence. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, these are all my own people, so there is no need to hide from them. So, then Chatkarji said, the night I broke that Vedanga and tried to stop the Kirtan, that night when I came back, and went to bed, a lion came to me. It was not exactly a lion. It had the head of a lion and the body of a man. But his nails were like lion. He placed its nail on my chest and said that, you broke my mridanga, you want to tr- tr- stop my kirtan? I will kill you. So I started to tremble in fear. And I begged for <coughs> for making the mistake. So he said, okay, I am forgiving you. And then Chatkazi showed that there are marks of injury in his chest, as if the lion's nail has didn't pierce it open, but kind of uh, it was uh, it went to some extent to some depth. And <clears throat> then he told another incident that I sent initially uh, some of my guards went, and then he came running. He said that when I tried to give command. To stop the kirtan, a ball of fire came and hit me. And see, half half of my gear got burnt. (laughs) I got blisters all over my face. (laughs) And another person came and told that I tried to stop them from chanting. But then something happened. I myself cannot stop chanting. <laughs> Once I said Hari Hari, uh, jokingly, Hari means to steal. Uh, I steal. So jokingly I said, who are you stealing? What are you? And the moment I said Hari, like I can't stop chanting Hari. <laughs> so he said all kinds of this amazing things started to happen. So then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu told him that, look, I ask you for one favor. Never ever stop this chanting of the Holy Name. And Chatkazi said, Yes, I give the I'll give the injunction that anybody in my family, if he stops the chanting of the Holy Name, tries to stop the chanting of the Holy Name, I will disown him. I will banish him from my family. And Chatkazi's family members are still there. His descendants are still there. And they are very favorable to Krishna consciousness. So this is how we see that how real these uh, happenings were. So... And 
So one day, one astrologer came and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he was so expert that he was he could see past, present and future. There used to be people like that. Like, the astrological calculation was so accurate. So, so Chaitanya Mahaprabhu half jokingly asked him, can you please tell me what I was in my previous life? So the astrologer calculated and he said that I can see that you are an effulgent personality endowed with all divine qualities. The qualities that are there in the personality of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, No. Actually in my previous life I was a coward boy. <laughs> and because I performed, when I took care of the cows, and the piety that I have acquired from that, due to that piety, this time I have been born in a family of a Brahman. <laughs> so the astrologer said, say whatever you want me to, want to say, but I know who you are. I have recognized who you are. So this is how hmm, this astrologer also could recognize Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's identity. There were two terrible, terrible personalities. There were two Brahmana boys, Brahmanas, cousins actually, and coming from very exalted family, but they became rogues. They, there was no sinful activity they didn't, they didn't perform. They were completely drunk throughout the time, always drunk. They would eat all kinds of things, including cow's meat. They would do all, they would, whenever they get upset with somebody, they would burn the house. And nobody could actually go near them because they were so ferocious. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu instructed Nityananda Prabhu and Haridas Thakur to go and ask everyone to chant the Bodhi. So this is how Mahaprabhu wanted to distribute Krishna consciousness. So Nityananda Prabhu saw this person and he told Haridas, these are two right candidates. If these two become devotees, then everyone will see the potency of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mercy. So let's go and speak to them. So <clears throat> Chaitanya Nityananda Prabhu went to these two, uh, two gigantic demons and told him, my dear brother, please chant the holy name of the Lord and make your human form of life perfect. 
they were in a drunken stupor. So they just saw what? You came to give us advice how to make our life successful. And they jumped up and said, Catch them, kill them. And seeing that, Nitanda Prabhu and Haridasta ran for their lives. And these two Brahman boys, Brahmanas, their name was Jagadananda and Madhavananda. <laughs> but they were known as Jagai and Madhai. So they ran, they chased them. I remember when I was reading that, that was at the early stage of my spiritual life. I got quite upset to see, hear that, I um, to read that. Now why Nitana Prabhu is running like that? Like he should have actually wiped them out right there. <laughs> Only later on I could understand that it was the pastime. The Lord is performing his pastimes for our benefit, to teach us. So, <clears throat> David ran for their life and then finally they came to a potter's shop where the clay pots were stacked up and they hid behind the pot and uh, pots and Jagai and Madai uh, couldn't find them and go and ran forward. So then that evening they went to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and reported. Uh, Haridas Thakur told, actually told Advaita Acharya that I am not going to go out in this mad man again. <laughs> Today we almost lost our life. <laughs> they described what actually happened. And at least today we got our life saved, otherwise we would have been dead. And who knows what he'll do and I'm not going to go out with him again. And then he started to tell what Nitananda does. He says that he jumps into Ganga and fights with the crocodiles. Those days Ganga must have crocodiles. And then he forces the milk away from the cowherd boys and drinks the milk. Sometimes he sees some young girls and tells them, Will you marry me? <laughs> and all the, their parents come running with sticks in their hand and we have to run away. <laughs> And today this is what happened and this he's a complete lunatic, he's a complete man. <laughs> then another day <coughs> Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Nitananda Prabhu saw Jagai and Madhari. So this time he went straight to them. Said the same thing. And at that time these two brothers were drinking alcohol from a pot. Those days they were clay pots they used to use. And he 
broke the edge of that and hit him with that. Hit Nityananda over the head. And Nityananda Prabhu started to bleed. He was going to hit again. But the elder brother Jagai stopped him. He said, Don't hit him again. After all, uh, he is He's a stranger, he's a sannyasi. In the meantime, the news reached Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He immediately came there. And seeing Nitanya Prabhu bleeding, he became furious. He started to call Chakra. And Jagai Madhai saw that blazing Chakra is just coming to kill them. Nitanya Prabhu fell at his feet. My Lord, in this incarnation we have taken a vow that you are not going to use any weapon. In this this incarnation you are going to conquer, you are going to win everybody by your love. Madhai hit me, but Jagai stopped Madhai. So when he heard that Jagai actually protected Nityananda, then he became favorable to him. He said, okay, Jagai, I I forgive you. But Madhai, I won't. Madhai also fell at his feet. My Lord, please forgive me. Please forgive me. Then he said, you have committed offense to Nityananda. If If he forgives you, then only you can be. So he fell at Nitana Prabhu's feet and Nitana Prabhu immediately picked him up, embraced him. At that time Jamraj was watching and he saw that Jagai and Madhai, they were so sinful that when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu accepted them, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Nityananda Prabhu, their white body became black due to the sin, accepting the sin of these two persons. Then he called Chitra Gupta, can you count their sinful activity? Chitra Gupta, I think, has one of the biggest computers. <laughs> he has the record of every single person. And it was described something like if so many scholars, so many scribes, so many clerks keep on writing their sins in their for so many years, still they won't be able to complete. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu deliver them, just a flash of So this is how Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu performed his wonderful pastimes in Navadipa. <coughs> Sankirtan was going on, Navadipa was vibrant with the chanting of the Holy Name. And then, one day, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he was, as I was mentioning, like his his activities at that time was not 
uh, uh, not rational. He was his thing because he was so absorbed in Krishna consciousness, Krishna Prem, that his external activities were a kind of not properly understandable. Common people could not understand why he was doing that. And one day Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was chanting the name Gopi Gopi. So one student, he asked, why are you chanting the name of the Gopi? Chant the name of Krishna. And in the mood of Srimati Radharani, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu started to chastise Krishna. Krishna is this, Krishna is that. Saying that Krishna has left the left Shrimati Radharani, did this, did that, you know, like he is a totally unreliable character. <laughs> <clears throat> so the student protested that and started to say something. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu became so angry that he picked up a stick and he went to beat that student. So he ran away. So he ran to the gathering of other students, thousands of students were there, and said that this is what Nimai Pandit had done. And everybody became very upset. He dares to beat a Brahmana, and so we will beat him. And in this way they protested mob mentality. So when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu heard that, he felt that I have come to give Krishna Prem to everyone. But people are becoming averse to me. So how can I fulfill that mission? They are disregarding me, they are disrespecting me, so they won't get the benefit that I have come to distribute. So then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu decided to take sannyas. His consideration was that those who are not accepting Krishna consciousness, if he took sannyas, then they will develop natural respect for him. And out of respect for him, they will offer obeisances. And then they will receive the spiritual benefit. So, <clears throat> those who are offensive, those who are averse, those who are puffed up, those who are arrogant, those who are atheistic, in order to conquer all of them, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu decided to take sannyas. Before taking sannyas, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu decided to go to the go to one great devotee. His name was Gauridas Pandit. So Nitananda Prabhu and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu went and told Gauridas. 
So Goridas's house, Goridas Pandit's house is on the other side of the Ganges. And Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu went with Nitananda Prabhu and they had a wonderful time together and then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu told him that he was going to take some So Gorda said, no, I can't let you go. You have to stay here with me. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, okay, Gauridas, you are a great sculptor, so you sculpt a deity by replication in wood from the name tree and you worship that. So Gauridas did that. Then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Nitanda Prabhu were leaving. So Gauridas came running. They were almost in the Ganges, came running. That I want you to stay there, not that. I want you who speaks, who works, to stay there. Not that wooden murti. Chitrana was okay. Him and Nitananda went. They stood where the deities were and the deities walked. <laughs> Again he came running. That I want you, not him. And in this way, so many times they went back and forth, back and forth. There was no way of knowing which one was the real Mahaprabhu and Nitananda Prabhu and which one were which ones were his deities, their deities. That temple is still there. Goridas Pandit's temple. They are the deities. The deities are so alive that they are afraid that if anyone looks at them with love, then they may leave the altar and go away. So that's why they give a call thing called Jhakidar. Just for momentarily they allow you to see the deity. They don't allow you to develop any loving relationship with them. So this is how Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu performed his wonderful pastimes in our deep before taking some he was 24 years old. <coughs> At that age, he decided to take sannas. He was the only male member in the family. His father left this planet. He had, in the house, he had his old mother and young wife. And leaving them behind, he took sannas. In that respect, Prabhupada actually said that when you want to, when one wants to serve Krishna, he doesn't have to worry about anybody. 
in order to demonstrate that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu performed his pastimes in this way. Leaving his old mother and young wife at home, he left. No one to take care of them. And those days, you know, like women didn't go out of the house. And must have been so difficult. There was only one servant, Ishan. He used to take care of them. And of course, the community was very close knit and they must have been taken care But the point is, that is the external consideration. The main consideration is the Supreme Personality of Godhead takes care of those who are meant to be taken care of by His devotees. I am not insinuating that everybody should leave home, his wife and my children and mother takes a nuts. This is a different situation. But I do tell those who are not married, please consider seriously whether to enter into household life or remain a brahmachari. And of course, another consideration is that now I notice also many devotees without joining the temple when they become involved in activities to promote Krishna consciousness they achieve a lot also so their contribution also is very valuable and then uh, also when they have to stay out dealing with this material nature uh, like dealing with material nature to promote Krishna consciousness or do things for Krishna, serving in the outside world, then it's better for them to get married. So anyway, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, taking sannas, gave us a very wonderful instruction that those who are free should commit themselves completely in serving Krishna. Personally, uh, <laughs> Prabhupada gave me sannas very quickly. When I came, uh, Prabhupada gave me first and second initiation during Gautamima. And then about less than three months, after less than three months, uh, during Shnanjatra festival, Sri Prabhupada gave me sannas. And I feel thankful to Srila Prabhupada for doing that because I can see like uh, it was the right thing for me. I had by giving me sannas, Prabhupada closed the door behind me. There's no way for me to turn back. And and I'm experiencing it's a wonderful life. Anyway, so the point is in this way, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu ended his household pastimes and stepped into his sannas order. Hare Krishna, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu ki jai, Gaur Primanande, Hare Hare.
Does anybody have any question? Krishna consciousness, Krishna actually makes makes it a point that their spiritual life is perfected. But it is only Krishna, Vaishnava Parad, that Krishna cannot actually interfere. <clears throat> In Kali Yuga, Harinam Sankirtan is the only prescribed method given. Is the Harinam ki Sankirtan only in only involve chanting and singing of Hare Krishna Mahamantra or reading, association, other group activities also can identify as Harinam Sankirtan. Sahadevananda, yeah, so Sankirtan means congregational chanting. Sankirtan also means total glorification of the Lord. So this total glorification, the broader concept actually means to to glorify Krishna in whichever way it's possible. And that's why you find Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur considered printing books as Sankirtan. He considered that the printing press is a big mridanga, brihatma. Like the sound of Krishna's glory, the message of Krishna's glory is now being distributed to a greater extent. Therefore, Brihat Kirtan or Brihat Mridanta. Srila Prabhupada also pointed out that <clears throat> in order to spread, in order to spread the glory of Krishna, we can utilize any means. That is Sankirtan. Right? Like <coughs> Prabhupada even said that if necessary for Krishna's service we can even use atom bombs. Of course, in order to use an article like that in Krishna's service, one has to be a devotee like Shri Prabhupada. <laughs> right? So, but the point is that, and as you are saying, reading, association, yes, that is also something. 
Because when you are reading, you are hearing. Shravana. When you are associating with devotees and hearing Krishna Katha, something. It's all something. Yes, Ramana. A little bit, uh, my question is a little bit messy, but I hope you get the point. I just, uh, uh, listening um, to the first session, where there was a lot of uh, uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's childhood pastimes, where he's displaying his naughtiness and his humorous pastimes. As he grew up, he's displaying kind of silence. But behind that silence, uh, there is um, uh, there's, there's this silence towards the scholars, when he's dealing with the, with the scholars. But at the same time, he's kind of giving respect. And then followed by some correction. Uh, is this how we approach the preaching mission of Mahaprabhu? That's one question. And again, it's just followed by, is this how he is hiding his identity? And is this the, um, is this leaning towards the Srinadhapi Sunatyanabha? Yeah. Well, as I mentioned, like, he is, in general, he is trying to hide his identity. He is behaving like an ordinary human child. But, of course, you know, naughtiness is not a matter of hiding his identity. It is his nature. Like, Krishna himself was very naughty when he was a child. Maybe, you know, like, this is how he is displaying his human-like nature. He is acting like a human being. So human beings as a child is generally naughty. And, but that phase, you know, they, they go across, they transcend, then they come into a more serious situation. And so I would say that through these pastimes, he is hiding his identity. But through these pastimes, he is actually giving pleasure to his devotees. Like, just consider, you know, like we are just discussing about his naughty pastimes. And everyone is and delighted. Everyone is laughing. Right? So, so that is his thing about, you know, human-like pastimes. The characteristic of his human-like pastimes. How can we differentiate between following the mood an example of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu or other Acharyas and imitating them. <coughs> yes, there are two considerations. Imitating and following. 
like imitation, onukaron, the Sanskrit word for that is onukaron. Like imitation is not advisable. But onusharun means to follow. Follow the footsteps. Not just imitate their acts, but understand the purpose and follow that personality. Like Mahajanavajana Bhattashamantra. Do what the Mahajans did. Do act in a way that a saintly personality acts. Well, one beautiful example in that respect. The difference between Anukaran and Anusharan. This pastime is pertaining to Haridas Thakur. One day, a snake charmer in India you get, at least you, you, we used to get a lot of snake charmer. And they, and this snake charmer was a devotee of Lord Shiva. And he was uh, singing the pastime of the Lord. And hearing that pastimes, Haridas Thakur became ecstatic. And he started to dance. And people were very, very impressed. Very uh, admiring Haridasta. But there was a Brahmana who thought that this guy is getting so much acclamation and appreciation. So if I also dance like that, then people will also admire me. So he also started to imitate Haridastaka's action. So the snake charmer took a stick and started to beat them. <laughs> and he ran away from there. So, so this is the thing like like take their instructions to heart. Take their you know, purpose to the heart and act accordingly. Not just some external activity. Whose question was this? Okay. So that's why like we have to just onusharan not onukharan not imitate, but follow. Is it clear? And see that quite a few questions came. Let me see. Rajeshikhar Das. Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj, would you please explain the differences between mode of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu doing Nagar Sankirtan and Sankirtan behind the closed door at Shivash Pandit's house. You see, uh, 
when the purpose of Nagar Sangeetan is actually to go and distribute and invite everybody to join. Right? That is the purpose of Nagar Sankirtan. Just like we do, go and invite people to come to the temple. And the purpose of that closed-door kirtan that Mahaprabhu was doing, that was to relish the holy name and relish a relationship with Divyamshu Hare Krishna Maharaj Dandavat with less and less devotees being brahmachari and even less taking up sannas how do you see future of Krishna of Guru Shishya Parampara Haribo well uh, like number of sannas is a increasing actually. Now we have about 50 sannasis waiting in the waiting list. So that means within five years time we'll have about 50 more sannasis. <laughs> sannasis are happening. Brahmacharya is also happening. Um, maybe not so much in the West. You see the West is that life is so complex and the life is so alluring like uh, complex because unless and until you earn a certain amount of money you can't survive. And the allurements are there uh, and in order to maintain that allurement you have to you have to compromise or subject yourself to the to the system. That is you have to take up a job. Another thing is that, you know, when there is a choice between no income and $60,000 a month, I mean, it's a very difficult temptation to avoid. And not $60,000 a month, $60,000 a year. Uh, it's a difficult temptation to avoid, you know, and especially when one is in household life. So in the West it is not happening, but in India, in Ujjain, which is quite a comparatively new temple, we have 85 brahmacharis. And out of them, about more half of them are very well educated, finish their degree. Some, many of them work for two, three years and then they join. And also I tell them that they can remain in Brahmachari for a few years. If they want, they can get married. And like, you know, it's not that, you know, they have to be Brahmachari for their whole life. But if this way, you know, Brahmacharis come and newer group come and other group goes out in household life, the temple activities, you know, Continue. Uh, question Lord Kapila and Devahuti 
Lord Kopila elucidated the different the definition and characteristics of sadhu sangra can we apply this definition to classify a devotee and non devotee when chaitanya mahaprabhu uh, disallowed non devotees this is from swarup swarup okay sir yeah okay uh characteristics of sadhu sangha can we apply this definition to classify a devotee and non devotee when chaitanya mahaprabhu disallowed non devotees or did not allow non devotees so <clears throat> i think you are mentioning satan prashandan mahavir jisandhi yeah the thing is you see like one has to be receptive to take the benefit of the association so you know if one is not receptive then he is not going to benefit uh, like if he is not serious about it if he is not willing to accept it then what is the point in his being around he is not associating therefore it is better to keep those away those personalities away like in this consider like we are having this session i can see that everyone is listening with rapt attention now if there is somebody you know who is not interested and uh, like you know he is feeling kind of you know restless doing all kinds of things want to be disturbed and then during the question answer session comes up with all kinds of silly questions and gets into argument so better to keep those characters out of it <laughs> so <clears throat> may i request you to sing gai gora mathur shori today i think it's getting a little late let's stick to question answer session yeah. um, in session 1 you mentioned that uh, chaitanya mahaprabhu was going during a lunar eclipse lunar eclipse um, and from what i learned at school a lunar eclipse is when the earth comes between the sun and the moon so that there's no light on the moon they can't see it in the sky but you, you mentioned that the lunar eclipse when Rahu swallows the moon yeah well that is the modern concoction of eclipse right so called uh, scientific concoction but the actual understanding is Rahu swallows the moon but because Rahu doesn't have the body it comes out okay <laughs> like how the earth comes in between i i really have doubts about that concept you know 
like shadow of earth falling on the moon and that's how anyway yes Charvel that is their business <laughs> whether they accept or not it's not doesn't bother us or shouldn't bother us like for example if a blind man doesn't want to accept the existence of the sun does it affect the sun or does it affect the people those who have eyes they will simply laugh at him poor guy not even laugh pity him poor guy is blind another thing is maybe that they are not exposed to chaitanya mahaprabhu properly and that's why you have to broadcast the message and uh, another consideration is that uh, the sometimes knowingly somebody uh, rejects chaitanya in spite of knowing that he is a supreme personality of god due to some personal thing i mean i'm saying it because there are certain sampradayas who do not deliberately want to accept chaitanya mahaprabhu because their leader their group leader their sampradaya leader had been chastised by chaitanya mahaprabhu but if the master chastises the servant or if the father chastises the son is there anything wrong but the son's children if they take offense oh why did my grandfather chastised my father that is you are separating yourself from the grandfather and that's why you are kind of looking at it that way you are not seeing your father's relationship with the grandfather so <clears throat> now mrigank i'll just also add something to that point you know like even if it is the earth's shadow falling on the moon uh still then it can be the influence of the graha influence of the planet causing that you get the point like you know due to different influences of the planets things happen like say influence of jupiter influence of mars Uh, like say due to the influence of mars influence of mars the war takes place the war is happening but the cause behind the war is the influence of mars in certain conditions you get the point similarly what is happening between earth sun and moon you know like if, if even if it is that that is the that is happening due to the influence of rahu as it so because rahu is influencing the situation the earth happens to be right here yeah. yeah. we can look at it that way also. 
and uh, come in. Thank you. 